Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Street Fight Radio. Uh, as you know, I like to talk to interesting people that are, you know, trying to build a better world out there and uh, let you know where it's happening and, and who's doing that. Um, last week, we had Antonia Crane on from Soldiers of Hull. And this weekend, I have a different guest. Uh, her name is Anjali. She is the founder of Liberation Spring. It's a uh, feminist... You're going to have to say it for me. Sorry. (laughs) No worries. Uh, We're a community education program that centers on decolonial feminisms. Perfect. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm still trying to to swallow all those words, but you say it way better. Well, thanks for being (laughs) here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your taking the time. So um, what exactly does, I mean, how do you get started? Um, with the project and where's the the project of Liberation Spring currently at? You know, it initially started as a bit of a revolt from mainstream academia in the U.S., like so many great projects have started. Uh, And now we're actually almost going into year five. So that was several years back. But we started off just offering totally donation-based political education in communities. So we've been 100% uh, pay what you can, no one turns away for lack of funds for four years now, and that's been totally financially viable, just to be able to invite community members to come through to learn and to unlearn in the service of our collective liberation for folks that are curious. So you don't have to write, pay fancy tuition, it's not cost prohibitive, you don't have to worry about some of the kind of censorship or gatekeeping or fronting as depolitical that's pretty normal within academia. Uh, so we're unapologetically out of the closet in terms of our politics and are able to start from that point of giving all of the fucks about collective liberation and learning and unlearning from that place. That's wonderful. And and what mm-hmm. what's the age range? Is this is this everybody comes here to to learn this stuff or uh, it's all adults, although some folks bring youth. So from time to time, we have little ones because it's a parent-friendly, a family-friendly space. Um, so I'd say mostly folks in their 30s and 40s, but we have some folks in their 20s and ranging all the way up into their 70s. And so this is a chance for people to come and make sense of the world. Um, we do a lot of that on our show, actually, Um with in regards to finances and struggling and making do in the world um a lot of people have told us they appreciate that we uh tell them that we failed at being normal we failed at like (laughs) buying a house we failed at being successful at a job but we're actually Mm. the majority of people and that's right more things at play than Mm -hmm. a simple matter of how how bad you want it um or how much work Mm -hmm. ethic it is and Mm -hmm. there are so many of these things that are baked into the system that are so very hard to unlearn um you know even I, like I mentioned, I, I had a sex worker on last week and it was really, I was just tripping all over myself with just ways that I was trained to look at things like that. And it, it comes mm-hmm. to, it comes down to everything, you know, but you mm-hmm. have to start somewhere and that's really can mm-hmm. be a daunting task. So you can say that again, right? <laughs> Well, and you know, the thing about that is so often um, folks can internalize the gnarliest shame or guilt or blaming or feeling bad about the ways that our minds have been colonized. But there are these multi-billion dollar systems, right, that have co-created who we are in this moment, right? So whether it's these, you know... 
forces of indoctrination, institutions, structures that exactly like you said, are not all about us. It's not just about, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, some kind of capitalist propaganda. It's so much bigger than that. So there's nothing like having those spaces where folks can come together and understand that better, right? That personal being political, taking it back to old school feminist consciousness raising, helping people see those connections. So then we don't necessarily feel bad about something that wasn't actually about us to begin with. Absolutely. So, um, is, is it, is it, is it a matter? Do you do like coursework there? Is it, uh, you sign up for like classes? Are these in the eat? Are these all day long? Is, yeah. How's it break down? Uh, so say for this season or for the next season, we've got seasonal classes. So they're usually about 12 weeks long. So four a year, just like the seasons and, uh, well, on this continent anyways. And so we have multiple sections of the same class. So if you want to come through on Wednesday nights, there's a Wednesday night group. Or if Tuesday nights work for you, you could come through for the Tuesday night group. And we've got a few different time zones to meet people where they're at. Uh, some of the programming is totally remote and some of it is in person here in occupied Huchen, also known as Oakland, California. Uh, and the remote programming is rad in part because we've got folks come through that are either chronically ill. Maybe they're disabled. Maybe they're parents. Maybe they live in super geographically isolated regions where they don't have folks in their area that they could be in dialogue with around these kinds of topics. Uh, so to really try to be as accessible as possible in that way too. Yeah, that's incredible. And so, and what, I mean, what are you focusing on? Like, what is the coursework entail? Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, the autumn class that we've got coming up uh, is called Gaslight the System, the Politics of Madness and Sanity. Uh, and it's an invitation to really support folks understanding how political our understanding of madness and sanity and craziness are. So it's a bit of a decolonial feminist take on mainstream approaches to mental health, to wellness, right, to psychology. Because uh, a lot of people don't know how incredibly oppressive those fields have been, right? Whether it's locking up women by calling them uppity, whether it's, right, jailing subversives or, right, locking them up in so often, like Franz Fanon talks about, right, and has for decades. Uh, so locking people up in psych wards is the sort of shadow side of locking people up in the prison industrial complex. And we have in our movement spaces some incredibly important critique and analysis of the prison industrial complex as a form of incarceration. Um, yet when it comes to talking about mental health, there's still a whole lot of stigma and shame and taboo around that. So it's a space kind of like what you were talking about with this project, um, where folks can come together and get into the politics of their experience of mental health, right? Power, privilege, oppression, um, while setting that necessary right shame at the door for folks that might feel a little bit tender about even starting to have conversations about that kind of topic. Cause it can be really delicate for a lot of people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, just thinking about, you know, uh, thinking about how open I am with my life and my mental health and my drug use and things like that. Um, it's only a matter of me choosing it as my job, as being an open, like, uh -huh. renegade. Yeah. Um, and right. nobody, the people that listen to the show don't have that, uh, ability to do that so openly. And I, you know, I remember the stigma. I remember, um, you know, to what it's like to just want to fit in and feel like, 
you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like just no, I want to just be regular, pretend to be regular so they won't bother mm-hmm. me, you know? Yeah. Right. And it can, and it's hard to find people to hang with, but the more that you get out there and you can do it in a way that is comfortable, that isn't going to, you know, make it, uh, into, you know, the same old judgmental song and dance mm-hmm. that we've had before. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that can be very illuminating. That's wonderful. Yeah. You can say that again. Yes. Well, and you know, one of the questions that I ask folks in that class is, um, so say you never had to worry about being called crazy in your entire life. Would you do things differently? Mm-hmm. And if so, right, how would you be different in yeah. the world? Because for a lot of folks, that's a gift that'll keep on giving in terms of unlocking the capacity to say unapologetically care about the world, right? To yeah. unapologetically feel more joy, to laugh a little bit louder, whatever it might be. So really, right, seeing what's up there, which is deep for so many people. Yeah, that is, that is. And uh, yeah, I mean, and that's for me, that is pretty foreign. My parents were like very combat, combative and very like, loud mm-hmm. and confrontational and mm-hmm. made me, so that I was so proud of myself and like never questioned anything to a fault mm-hmm. to where I was mm-hmm. abusing other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, 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 like, right. so I didn't have any restrictions. Like it's like, mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll be crazy, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that kind of felt like my, my, uh, you know, my family's right to, uh, to act out and to be abusive mm. and to, mm. you know, once again, just, uh, react to the, the oppressive nature of the nine to five life that, you know, we're mm-hmm. all being squeezed into, you know, mm-hmm. that's and, right. And it's way more common, uh, you know, than people know. And th- this type of stuff is, you know, I spent a lot of time reading self help stuff, you know, mm. until I went mm-hmm. to a therapist, until I went and talk to people, then it became way more real. That was, it wasn't just mm-hmm. swirling around in my head, you know? That's right. That's a, right. You know, it wasn't a notion of like, maybe capitalism is kind of doing this to me a little bit, you know, or like mm-hmm. I read, um, last year I had a big breakthrough. I read, uh, bell hooks book, uh, the will to change. Yes. All about men. And it was mm-hmm. like amazing to me because I thought it mm. was just going to be like a drag fest, but like, sure. I was crying because she was just uh-huh. honest and she said everything yep. that I just was afraid to say. And right. then, like, I was being held hostage. Yeah. Know? And it's, and it's like, it's really easy, um, for me to go back into my typical male thing where if I want to, if I want to work a lot, as long as I'm working all the time, it doesn't count as like depression or mental illness, mm. even though I'm avoiding mm. my life and mm. my family. Mm. Right. Because I'm being, because I am being a provider and I'm working that mm-hmm. kind of stuff gets mm-hmm. pushed aside, but mm-hmm. it's also what gives you heart attacks when you're 55. <gasps> yeah. You can push, say that again. Pushing away that engagement and pushing away all those feelings. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just, we have to get out of it. And, um, there's a, there's so many different ways to go after it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And also, like you said, you know, would you be doing that? We're not for capitalism. Would right. you be doing that? We're not for these right exploitative structures around us. Cause if not, what's up with that? And we can get into that too. Right. Yeah. And I think the thing about like, this is also, is it's a matter of, it's not like you just, it's not like a matter of you figure things out and it changes. You can mm-hmm. take these class over and over again. And oh, yeah. I, I, I have to go back over this stuff regularly mm-hmm. to stop mm-hmm. doing my my recursive thoughts to stop beating mm-hmm. myself up to not go back mm-hmm. into the old patriarchy macho way of thinking about right right and, uh, you know and it takes a lot of effort and it does it, it it's not a matter of me picking it up i have to go and find sources like yours mm-hmm. you know that, mm-hmm. that are going to tell mm-hmm. me something that isn't from my normal white guy i can get away with whatever i want you know like, right I'm, yeah 
Mm -hmm. The psychology today, right? Just yeah. doing a little, you know, internet digital self-diagnosis and presuming that's the end of things, yes. right? Right, yeah. right. And it's, uh -huh. it's a lot harder than that, and but it's more worth mm -hmm. it. I mean, it's you get real, right. that's how you get real results. Right. You, know, you take the time to, to spend it on things like this and figure out mm -hmm. you know, your place mm -hmm. in the world. And like you said, it's not just about the learning piece, but also that repatterning, right? Which how about having that community support, collective right. support to be able to be on that journey together, because that can really expedite our process, right? We can support each other and be supported. And also, so, you know, that's part of why our tagline for the project is uh, pulling weeds and planting seeds. And my mother was a farmer. So I learned that from her, my first teacher, first and foremost, right? So starting off by acknowledging all of the bullshit that we're saturated in and pulling those weeds of propaganda, right? So our socialization, our mainstream education, whatever it might be um, that we need to unlearn. So then we can actually plant those seeds of switching things up in a way that's actually going to be more life affirming in a way that we actually consent to, right? In a way that's actually self-determined. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, so much of community is just being there for other people. You know, it's just, you just have to go and sit side by side with them and they do half the work. You know, it's not always up, to, you know, uh -huh. it's not always up to you. What, right. A lot of folks that listen to the show get really worked up about what these things are going to be like when they go to them and what's going to be expected. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, just a smile and an open mind and, you know, honesty will get you very far, you know. Right. Absolutely. Remembering that we're capable of connecting with each other because especially in a political moment like this, that's just so absurdly polarized mm -hmm. it's almost like folks are tiptoeing on eggshells around even just being able to connect with other humans so nothing like also having spaces where we can come together and actually remember what we're capable of on that front yeah 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 so so what i mean what got you here i mean what led to liberation spring i mean you, is this this isn't your first project i take it right <sighs> No, not even close. You know, I've been an educator my whole life. So paying the bills in academia, so teaching on different university campuses, uh, but then doing political education on the side as part of my organizing. Uh -huh. uh, and so for me, one of the things uh, that really was the kind of jumping off point to just uh, start off this project full time a few years back was just wanting to dare myself to see if it was possible to be able to pay my bills doing this full time because this is I do not have right familial support, some trust fund, right Thank spouse Thank support, anything so. like that. Yeah, no, it's important to talk about money, right? Like we need to be honest about this yeah. if we're gonna create these alternative worlds, like for real, how do we do these things? Yeah, um, and I have been paying my bills with this project full time uh, since it started, so four years ago. And so it was just kind of daring myself to see if that was possible because it's something I had kind of dreamed about since I was in my early 20s, putting on different, whether it was right free schools or you know consciousness raising groups or book studies in a basement that I lived in or write conferences and events uh, in different community spaces. But really pausing uh, to see like, is this a thing that could just be my full time thing? Because if so, are you kidding me? That would be a dream, right? And community members had been asking, like, when are we, you know, because I would invite folks to just sit in from all over whenever I would teach classes on campus, <laughs> like, you'll be fine, you don't have to pay tuition, I'll just yeah. forward you the room, just come through if you want to learn, right? Um, 
Uh, but folks were like, that's cool. But like, when can we actually do something that's a little more sustained? Uh, and so, you know, I'll go there in terms of the numbers. It was when I sat down um, and I really paused to see like, could this be financially viable? And I realized that it could, that I was like, I owe it right to my communities to at least experiment with this for a season see how it goes and then go from there. You know, if it is a dramatic failure, you know, I can reassess, I can cross that bridge when I come to it. Um, but I literally took out a sheet of paper and it's like, say the suggested donation was 20 bucks a week, right? Like a lot of people actually do have 20 bucks a week that they might like go see dinner in a movie or whatever. Like that's actually affordable for a lot of folks. So say that was a 12 week class, that would be right 240 for the entire season. Say you got four people kicking down that donation. That's a grand right there. Say you got a dozen people in that class. That's three grand right there. So for one section, one night a week, like Monday, six to nine, that's three grand. Say I do four sections like I am this season. That's 12 grand, right? You see how that's adding up? And then say you do four sections. That's $48,000, right? In addition to, we also do some one-on-one work as well. But as a base, realizing that's more than the average person makes in the U.S. Yeah, that's a whole lot more than someone makes a adjuncting on campus, which is what right the compensation looks like for over three fourths of folks teaching on university campuses right now. Um, so when I actually looked at the math like that, I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is so doable." So on that front, also, I was like, "I owe it to." my colleagues and to other people to do this experiment, right? To show them that we're actually capable of something like this. Yeah, that is awesome. I, I absolutely agree. And it's that's what, um you know, with our show and everything, what I always say is that uh, I'm not lying to myself. Like I'm not secretly mm-hmm. in debt. Um, everybody Thank else you. is paying for this thing to move on. Mm-hmm. It's, not, mm-hmm. it's not me just doing this as a, out of vanity. I would gladly mm-hmm. fall on my face. But mm-hmm. people have run into support and help us spread this thing and do what we do. And, you know, uh, it is like a modest, it's like, I'm, my biggest, the, the most I ever made was like $15 an hour. And, and mm-hmm. that's about what I get paid now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would much rather be spending all my time doing this project that's trying mm-hmm. to educate and help the world be a better place and making, you know, my $15 an hour than, than be sitting behind a desk, you know, like, mm-hmm. I have to be thankful, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. But that, you know, when you have, that's when you know that you have, can do it is when it's there when the when it's viable mm-hmm. you know and you mm-hmm. do the math mm-hmm. you can right. make it happen you have to execute um that's so, mm-hmm. that's amazing and so thank you did you so do you you came up in a political household then is that was that your upbringing uh not explicitly in the least and actually in a direction that might be somewhat uh counterintuitive so there's some sort of uh latent, pretty profound consciousness with a lot of folks in my family, but that wasn't super explicitly politicized. Uh, so say my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, you know, by the food that they ate or just by their awareness or by their perception and not taking shit, um, you know, we could draw out some of the kind of politicized undertones of that. Um, but my father worked in the petroleum industry. Okay. Uh, and yeah, my older brother is a hardcore libertarian. Um, so actually, in part, my story of being explicitly politicized was resisting 
seeing some of that ridiculousness and then also say being more into growing food with my mother and then right developing that kind of ecological consciousness learning more about land defense and the like um so super contrasting sort of political poles in my family but it's not like anyone in the family i ever saw like going out and organizing or engaging in activism or anything like that so what do you what do you think what was it that radicalized you do you think you know, in part, uh, so we moved around a lot when I was a kid. And my first couple of years of high school were actually back in India, where half of my family lived. So in New Delhi in the capital, and it was during the third civil war with Pakistan. So there were bomb threats at my high school. Uh, and we actually ended up having to leave the country. Um, the American embassy strongly encouraged US citizens living in the north to leave uh, after a couple of years being there. And so uh, that for me, being in an international school starting at the age of 14 and really getting called the fuck out as an American by folks that, you know, buddies of mine that were Yugoslavian and people from all over the world, right? Over a hundred different countries represented just with our buddies that we went to school with um, really woke me up in a moment, you know, when you're 14, where you might be much more likely to be amenable to expanding your horizons like that, mm -hmm. um, that there was just no going back from, right? Okay. So I was like consistently on a daily basis um, being schooled about geopolitics by other 14-year-olds from all over the rest of the world that to keep it real and hold myself accountable, knew so much more about U.S. foreign policy than I did as a 14-year-old from California. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, there was no going back from there. I was like, I care about y'all. Y'all are my friends. Really, my country is devastating all of y'all's countries <laughs> all over the planet. I'm going to see what I can do. Let me get back to you. I'm going to do some homework, right? That's and great. so, I mean, yeah, I cannot overemphasize the significance of those couple of years and being like, wait a minute, why is India detonating nuclear weapons right now? And like, this is like half of my family lives here. And why is Pakistan trying to do that as well? I don't know if you remember that little South Asian arms race that was happening right about that time period in the summer of 98. But yeah, that'll get you politicized really quickly when you're literally in the middle of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. um. That is, uh, I mean, that it is hard to deny. I mean, it, I think I had a very patriotic upbringing, and so it was very hard to get through to me. Um, you know, mm. It was through friends and knowing people uh, very early on, thankfully, when I was at a younger time in my life. And um, I had met somebody that was from Jordan and uh, was uh, from Palestine originally and mm. told me the whole story of that. And I think that was like a big eye opener for me. And then uh some Chomsky books at the time too kind of said you know America isn't great all the time and then you know you read the uh people's history of America Howard Zinn mm -hmm, and then it's just like mm -hmm. oh, that was all over from mm -hmm. like the beginning but uh mm -hmm. it is uh it is a challenge I mean I don't I do you think it's do you think it's changed? I mean, I feel like when I was looking at radical stuff, I was very scared for people to find out in the early 2000s. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that socialism, anarchism, communism were words that were like, I, I did not hear those from many other people here in Ohio. Uh, mm -hmm. it was a common thing unless it was demonized. But now, mm -hmm. um, with the advent of social media, I don't think it solves everything, but I know that a lot more 14 year olds are being exposed to sickle and hammers and trans mm -hmm. right flags mm -hmm. and all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff that I never mm -hmm. had the opportunity to see. 
Yeah, no, I would definitely say we've got all sorts of possibilities available to us that we might not have when we were younger. Um, and so to me, it's also so epic to witness people seeing what possibilities exist around that. So whether it is, say, you know, at a dinner table at some family function or right at work or wherever you might be with your peer group, maybe feeling a little bit of a misgiving around sort of, again, coming out of the closet politically, um, daring ourselves to see what's possible and to be open to folks not necessarily, right, uh, being as censoring, right, or being as sort of... um, problematic as we might project because sometimes that's going to happen absolutely right our sort of anticipated responses don't come from out of thin air and at the same time we don't know right if we're not fortune tellers how people are going to respond um and so you know for me especially when folks are sitting with that question i wonder about regrounding in say honesty for those of us for whom that's an important sort of principle like as opposed to being sort of externally derived like i'm not going to say a thing in case all hell breaks loose, grounding right in this sort of self-determined space from what we believe in. And then, you know, if they've got an issue, they can be the ones defending their position, even if that's what's mainstreamed, even if that's, you know, in full step with the propaganda that we're saturated by. But, uh, you know, really unlearning any kind of internalized censorship that we have that for some of us, depending upon the kind of political persecution, right, or repression we've experienced from our organizing, that shit is real. So not to minimize that, right, at all whatsoever. And how can we still, right, see the possibilities that we might not have moved through yet? Because there are a lot of possibilities in this moment um, that we'd be well advised to be taking very seriously because it's like these chasms don't always open. Like timing is a thing, right? So, And a whole lot of people could say a whole lot more than we are right now. It's like our minds are so colonized. It's like the bird in the cage that has just become so accustomed to, right, that confinement that you're not even looking to see if the door is open to escape anymore, right? Yes. Yes, that's yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, and and I think and I do I do support that um that like centeredness, that radical centeredness of being sure in yourself and what you believe in who you are and not letting it be shakeable by other people and and let them deal with the externalities of that. And I think that's mm-hmm. what, I, what I try to explain uh, to a lot of people who listen, especially young folks, is that like, you know, the nine to five office zombie life is waiting for you if you go and participate. <laughs> in. If you go and participate, <laughs> in it, it's there for everybody to go and try yep. their hands at. But yep. you can organize and orient yourself with radicals, with rabble rousers. There are mm-hmm. people that are mm-hmm. outside of the system and they have been mm-hmm. for a very long time and it seems like we're getting a little bit bigger i'm traveling around mm-hmm. the country and meeting but mm-hmm. you can choose to get into those groups and find a way to make that you know your life and something that you're happy and proud of that isn't focused on all the trappings of mm-hmm. capitalism and the you know the mm-hmm. feelings of insecurity of not having the clothes mm-hmm. the car the house and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. that's right yeah and you know taking it back to what you mentioned earlier about um reading some bell hooks uh, it's funny because sometimes in super explicitly politica- politicized spaces, you know, not to set too much of a kind of contrast or dichotomy, but there are some folks that haven't done some of that kind of internal work that you were talking about. And that's a gift that will keep on giving if we're in these battles until we get free and then some, right? So really, right, want to affirm how important some of that is because then it's not like – 
oh, you know, all of these music videos, all of these movies, all of this Hollywood propaganda is telling me I'm supposed to look a certain way or I'm supposed to present myself to the cert, uh, world in a certain kind of way or perform in some certain kind of way. Um, but to be able to have the sort of fortitude to know, okay, that's illusion. Uh, and that's actually not something that I created. Of course, the world's going to try to impose these scripts on you and have you just play a role in it from a hundred different directions, whether that's a religious group, whether that's your family, um, but taking it back to, again, this idea of self-determination, um, being able to really pause and to see, you know, am I trying to die just having done what everybody else told me to, Con <laughs> conforming to a thousand different, right, sort of forms of peer pressure, whether it's, you know, political, economic, social, whatever, um, without actually having gotten to know myself gotten to know what my dreams are, having given them a chance. Um, so yeah, that kind of self-work and in a way that is not just, you know, solipsistic, narcissistic, buying shit from the self-help industrial complex, but that is rooted as a part of a revolutionary project is what's up if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a matter of like, um, you know, make a, make food, nutritious food, keep your house clean, you know, make sure that you're happy with the simple things in life. And then that's when you do, you know, once you have the, that stuff nailed down, you do need to reach out and help other people or be have camaraderie with other people or be alongside other folks. The organizing um, is a part of it. The making the effort to go out there with other people to these study groups and, you know, you know, you sometimes you do you hear stuff a decade ago and you're like, oh yeah, that's true. And then mm. shit hasn't changed and you're like, well, that's still true, but I'm just disappointed mm. now. But you can, re <laughs> you can revisit and see how, you know, how it's changed or what you missed the first time ago around. There's mm -hmm. always time to go to go through these things and they will fill up that that cup like of mm -hmm. you know energy. I, I just mm -hmm. I, I found my I find like doing uh even just volunteer work once a month with meals on wheels or something is uh that to me like is enough for me to not beat myself up to say that I did something, mm. you know, and I mm. accomplished things. But that's only also because I spent a good amount of my time making sure that everything for me was in order, you know? Mm -hmm. That's right. Um so what I mean, so what are your things for what are your like self care? What do you like to do mm -hmm. besides like, you know, trying to decolonize everybody all the time? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not going to lie, that's actually super nourishing. <laughs> so uh, I think that finding a way to hold the work that we do in the world, and this is going to vary based on the work that we do for sure, but um, where it is, you know, super boundaried, so it's not depleting you. Yes, yeah, so you don't feel like you're hemorrhaging, right? I, say, I guess the opposite question for you, I guess, how do you avoid the burnout then of trying yeah, to colonize right. everybody? For sure. Right. Yeah, no, it's such an important question. Uh, and, you know, for me, it is actually super vitalizing and it's super energizing work. Um, but it is important to name, you know, this is after uh, so many years of doing super intense boundary work to make sure that, say, you know, when folks reach out to you, if they're in crisis or if they're in need, I don't, you know, 
give to the point of being so depleted that then I need to call someone else and then, right. then right, I'm in that same exact position. Um, but really making sure that we are checking ourselves energetically on that front. Because again, that's absolutely necessary. It's not helping our movements. It's not helping us get free um, to not even check to see like, am I on reserves right now? Am I just like running on exhaust and on fumes and then wondering <laughs> why it is I'm not really sharing at the level that I'm committed to in terms of my integrity? Because uh, there's absolutely no right kind of fronting with sleep deprivation and energy drinks, right? That can compare with being well-rested and nourished and grounded. Uh, and so really also seeing that that is a part of the struggle, you know, that self-care is not a luxury, right? That it's absolutely a necessity to be able to keep at it for the long run. And especially for those of us that are, right, multiply oppressed based on our intersecting identities if you don't have the same kind of safety net like i legit can't afford to get sick right yeah. more than might already be my baseline and so for each of us to really be brutally honest around what we've even got the capacity to attend to in terms of burnout um because it's not like i can just call family that'll throw me cash to go to a doctor or something like that so i have to be all the more vigilant right yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it's uh, it's rewarding in itself to be on point like that. But, um, <laughs> you know, that is just that is the unfortunate reality in the background is like, I mean, I'm you feel like you're being forced into doing that. But mm. I, I've also had to learn like when we come back, like me and we have to set up boundaries, because when I come back from like doing tours, uh, I need a whole day off. And we mm -hmm. my wife, we I, I did too, not just her, we've made the mistake of trying to book activities the next day and mm -hmm. like one night's rest is not enough for me because mm -hmm. i've been sleeping four or five hours a night i've been running around meeting people i've been doing shows i've had hundreds of people come up to me and tell me all of their terrible job stories and all of yep. the ways their life is broken down and i've absorbed mm -hmm. all of it and right i come home and mm -hmm. there's like dishes in the sink and it just <laughs> like melts yeah. down so i need like <laughs> right. to replenish and then i can get back i'll do the dishes i'll do the laundry mm -hmm. i'll talk mm -hmm. to everybody and be back mm -hmm. like, it really took a matter of like you know, just admitting that I'm not going to change. Like I can't, mm. I can't trade that in. I can't like smile my way out of it. Like I really mm. traded in life force to do, mm. to do that, yeah. thing, you know? And so right. to, me and my wife have to set that boundary of, you know, what I, what I'm going to, what I can and can't do when I get back. Um, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's, it's tough uh, when you're dealing with this, with, with you said, like you said, being drawn into people's world that is, you know, not a fun thing to talk about. You know, we talk about things on the show that, you know, I think probably aren't happy. They aren't, they can be depressing. And for me, they're cathartic because I get them off my chest, but then other people are listening to them and going through it. And the acknowledgement is fine, but it's just like, it's still such a heavy thing, you know, as much relief as we try to offer people, um, the day to day out there is just not, you know, in, in their favor. You know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so important to recognize that so that then again, we don't end up burning out and then losing how many days, weeks, months, years, and also sharing, you know, it's so funny. It's like taking it back to that uh, quote of Tony Cade Bambara's, right? The goal of uh, the artist is to make revolution irresistible. I've had some folks come through when they are dealing with stuff in their own lives or maybe some personal crisis and in class be like lamenting. I feel like I'm not making the revolution irresistible right now. 
<laughs> and really, you know, taking it back and pausing and just reminding ourselves like capitalism encourages us to be really mean to ourselves. Like, can we be gentle for a minute and acknowledge like these systems are no joke, right? That yeah. we're saturated in that are legit designed, right? To chew us up and then spit us out after they've taken everything from us. And if we don't write unlearn all of that patterning overnight like this is a process yeah. so like you're gonna need to hydrate you're gonna need good sleep you're gonna need hopefully some nutrient dense food some support like sometimes you might want to scream sometimes you might want to cry that all makes so much sense as a part of this work really for it to also take place um within our bodies because so a much right trauma is in our bodies that's not just some hippie shit that's real right so many wisdom traditions from all over the planet understand that our ancestors have recognized that that you've literally got to get that out whether it's screaming at a show whether it's sweating whether it's crying whatever works for different folks and so when we create communities um, that aren't shaming around that but that recognize that is part of the work then uh, it can feel a little more accessible and available including for me like I actually for the first time to give one example in the history of the project for four years, um, actually canceled class um, maybe like a couple of weeks back and not for a sick day, but actually because I was writing and I was so in this creative flow and inspired um, that I emailed folks and I was like, I have to take the day off and I'm not gonna lie and say it's a sick day. I'm like, nothing is sick about what's up with me right now. I'm very well actually, but it's because, right? I have to be accountable to this creative process and yeah. getting this material out that I feel a responsibility to share. Yeah. And so when we see that modeled, then it can kind of subversively be contagious. Other folks can realize like, Ooh, I can do that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's like, uh, I think I, the hustle grind culture thing was something that I was, uh, we were all born into, uh, just mm -hmm. a American way, but mm -hmm. I, I would spend like my early days, like, you know, working a full-time job and trying to do something on the side and just like so panicked and frantic that this has to work and this is going to save me and that this is mm -hmm. going to have to do it. And it would fall apart. And then I would be depressed. I mean, at the beginning, it would be like two years. It'd be like 18 months. I would, I would, I've, I now when I look back, I spent, years just being completely upset and then I would start the next project and then it would fall and it would be six months of depression and then it would it like I kept chopping yep. away at it until mm -hmm. I understood until it was like you know when you know you're in the flow state and you know things mm. are right then you can say mm. this, now I now have a handle on what exactly it is and I think what the problem is is that when you hit those stumbling blocks People do never, some people never get back up again. A lot of people never right. get up ever, they fall one time and don't want to try. And it's yep. like every time you just keep going back is when you gain the experience that helps you for everything. You have no idea until you're there. Like I have no idea mm -hmm. I was going to be at this point until I got here. Mm -hmm. But like I just kept go, I just kept going after it even if it was a very, very long, arduous journey, uh, you know, because it was a matter of, you know, feeling like a loser or feeling like I wasn't doing these things or that you know, whatever it may be, the world that we're steeped in is just not kind at all. Uh, you can say that again. Yeah. Vicious, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate your time here today. Um, what's, uh, was there anything else you wanted to get in here? Well, you know, 
Yeah, one thing I would share is um, for other folks, any listeners that might write do different kinds of political education, um, I would just want to share that this kind of model that I've been able to experiment with in these past few years, paying my bills full time, so not just again going to some shitty nine to five, right, or nine to nine, rather for most of our loved ones these days, <laughs> and then, yeah, trying to do this work on the side. Um, right, resisting that kind of hustle burnout culture that you were just speaking to. I just want to name that this is possible that folks can experiment with something like this, right? So this is something that I've talked with a lot of people about in the past few years that also do, right, whether it's consciousness raising work or political education, um, that, right, there is actually also, and this is not explicitly politicized, it's actually horrifically depolitical, but something like a $7 billion growing online education, right, industry that's totally off campus, right, that's not um, uh, totally autonomous from university systems, where people are teaching all sorts of ridiculousness, to put it kindly, right, but under the auspices of using this language of whether it's like women's empowerment, so to speak, or right, unlocking your potential liberation, blah, 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 without any of the analysis, without any of the organizing skills, without any of the kind of, right, necessary ingredients to ensure that it's actually going to be impactful in a meaningful way in people's lives. And so when I started to see that in these past four years, that's really inspired me to share with other folks like, hey, if you, you know, do sort of DIY skill shares, free schools, and you could use a little bit of funding, like you can throw in a hat and you can set up right a donation based pay, but you can no one turned away for lack of funds sign and see what happens. Because also, you know, taking it back to your question earlier about if things have changed in certain ways in terms of our political climate, there are millions of people in the settler colonial US right now and outside of the US too that are sincerely asking questions about how in the hell we got into this situation, right? Politically, ecologically, economically, socially, culturally. Uh, and so, yeah, just really wanting to share some encouragement in case somebody hearing about Liberation Spring might think like, hey, I do, you know, like informal free schools, um, and I sure as all hell could use some more money. Um, just so sincerely wanting to encourage folks to experiment in that way. Because again, just to give a little bit of context, there are a hell of a lot of business people that don't have any kind of politicized analysis that are making bank, like bank selling courses online and in person. Um, and so the opportunity is out there. The interest is out there. There's no shortage of folks that are sincerely curious and down to come together in community and get into this kind of material. Um, so yeah, if there are any folks that do community education that might be listening, I just definitely want to share that sincere encouragement. Yeah, that's great. Um, I could see that actually. I mean, even if you did have like a job that, you know, was paid the bills and you were okay with, if you wanted to rent a library conference room for 25 bucks mm -hmm. a month, you could just go and read from your favorite passage from your book if you're if that's your passion mm -hmm. or, you're, mm -hmm. or you have a uh, you have the ability to do so you have a background mm -hmm. in education i know we have a lot of teachers that listen to the show uh, right and uh yeah i mean it's a matter of just seeing who's interested yes well and because you mentioned teachers specifically um another thing that i've been doing a lot in these past few years is talking with buddies that are academics and that are you know kind of on the fence either stuck in this sort of adjunct 
certification, right? Just driving from one campus to another, teaching one course here or there, really, right? Sharing with them, like, do you see that what I'm doing, like, is so much better of a gig than adjuncting? You have autonomy. I don't have to grade papers, right? You can actually assign what's going to be the most effective material possible. So maybe a documentary one week, a podcast the next week, a zine the next week, then maybe an essay, whatever works for the folks that you're working with to support their learning and unlearning. Um, and so also, yeah, for educators, like explicit educators, maybe if you're considering um, being a recovering academic and switching things up and trying something different. Um, yeah, totally just want to share the same encouragement because I guarantee the funding is out there. The participants are out there. It's just a matter of actually setting things up and having, like you named, right, that tenacity to experiment, to not expect that everything's going to come together overnight, but the openness to really grow a thing. Yeah. And the connections, true. The connections you make, you make through that, you don't ever know where they're going to go. Uh, right. Yep. Um, so wh where's the best place to interact with Liberation Spring online? Yeah, folks are welcome to go to liberationspring.com to check out our course flyers. So you can see that uh, flyer for Gaslight the System, the Politics of Madness and Sanity, Techno-Skepticism, the class that we have after that about technology and the tech industry um, from a decolonial feminist perspective. But we're also on Instagram um, at Liberation Spring, uh, Libspring on Twitter, Liberation Spring on Facebook. Our YouTube page is also Liberation Spring. So any of those channels would be great. Awesome. Uh, well, I appreciate your time and Jolly and, uh, definitely check out her work. Um, we will see you later this week. We're doing the call in show on Sunday. So, uh, we got to do an ABCD one soon too, but I'll get more on that. We're street fright. Peace.